You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Okay, how about the whisk? Oh, very sour lime. And the granola? Definitely mashed peas. Okay, and the sponge? Mmm, chocolate cake. Hey, Sandin. Hey, Mark. Hey, Manica. I'm just stopping by to get some water. Why is Mark eating a sponge? Oh, we had a little accident. Yeah. You know how here in the Labber Kitchen we like to make new food-based inventions? Well, we were finishing up a new device, the Flavor Trader. It takes the flavor from one food item and swaps it with another. Yeah, so you can make your mashed potatoes and gravy taste like pancakes and syrup. Or a sponge tastes like chocolate cake. Mark, spit that out. Fine. We were firing it up for the first time, and it kind of, well, it didn't go so well. It blew up. Kabam! Boom! Kabow! Flavors went flying everywhere. Now all the flavors in the kitchen are totally mixed up. We need to find them so we can switch them back. I see. Well, I would help, but I've got to get to a taping. I'll just grab my water here. <laughs> Hot! 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 Molly, are you... My mouth is burning! Molly found the cayenne pepper. I need milk to quench this mouth fire. <laughs> Beef bouillon. Oh, oh, maybe maybe bread will help. Oh, oh, sardines. Oh, give me those breath mints. Oh, it tastes like Worcestershire sauce. Oh, no more food. Just, just going to wipe my tongue clean with this paper towel. Oh, ew. What is it? I found out where the dirty sponge flavor went. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media, and my co-hosts today are Kaylin and Solomon from Oakland, California. Hi, you two. Hi. Hey, Molly. Either of you have any gum? You know what? No, it's fine. Never mind. Today's episode was inspired by these questions. This is Siga from Portland, Oregon, and my question is, what gives food its flavor? My name's Alina, and I'm six years old. My question is... What gives different foods their flavor? Bye. We're big fans of your podcast. Hey, thanks. And we're big fans of your question. You might think flavor is what happens on your tongue. And it is. But it's also so much more. Yeah, flavor includes how food feels in your mouth. It is it crunchy or soggy or chewy? And how something smells. Is it woodsy or smoky or buttery? Flavor is also influenced by how food looks and even the sounds around you as you're eating. It's really a total sensory experience. Exactly. So for this episode, we're exploring flavor through the five senses. Sight, sound, smell, touch, and taste. It's a collaboration with our friends at America's Test Kitchen Kids. You'll be hearing expert eaters and curious cookers from their team later in the show. Speaking of cooking, Solomon and Kaylin, I know you both like to cook. Do you think about any of the senses besides taste when you're preparing a meal? I think of smell. Yeah, so what is your favorite smell when you're cooking? Probably the smell of, like, the heat. You smell the heat, it kind of brings in the smell of the food, too. So is there a specialty that you have for cooking? I think my specialty is probably homemade sauces. Oh, do you have a favorite sauce? Yeah, actually, it's kind of like a honey mustard sauce, but a little bit more tangy. So I know you two last year cooked your entire 
Thanksgiving meal for your family on your own, which is so impressive. What was the most challenging part of taking on that really big job? Um, probably for me, banana pudding. I was stirring that for a very long time. <laughs> Did your arm get tired? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So what made you want to take on that like really big job? Um, I think it all started out as just helping, and then we ended up taking it over, and it was a pretty fun experience. Yeah. Are you going to do it again this year? I think so. Yeah? Probably with my sister, because I can't handle it on my own. Yeah, that's a really big job. You can't do one person. Ever. (laughs) That's awesome. So what dish are you most looking forward to making this year? Um, probably oven fried chicken. Oh, that sounds delicious. And Kaylin, how about you? Probably the stuffing. It was cool to have all the, the, from what you took from the turkey and then also just extra ingredients and mix it all together. That sounds amazing. I wish I lived in San Francisco so I could come over to your house, which I just invited myself to. Okay, let's fire up the grill and get this episode cooking. The perfect place to start is with taste. And we're going to answer these delicious questions. My name is Kalima from Atlanta, Georgia. And my question is, how do people taste things? Hi, my name is Bella from Alpha, Minnesota. And my question is, how do our tongues taste the food in our mouth? Yeah, when we bite a burger or slurp up soup or chew on cheese, how does our brain know what it tastes like? Oh, hi, can you hear me? I think I can help with that. You're a talking toothbrush? That's me. You can call me Tristan. I spend a lot of time brushing teeth and tongues, too. Gotta keep that mouth bacteria in check. In fact, I consider myself sort of a mouth stylist. While I'm working, the taste buds tell me all about taste. You know taste buds, right? They're these little tiny nubs that live in super small pits in your tongue. They sense tastes. They're too small to see. Normal toothbrushes don't really reach where taste buds live. But since I'm a magical talking toothbrush, I get to help the taste buds style their hairs. Wow, taste bud hairs? Who knew? Here, I'm headed to an appointment you can drop in on. Follow me. Elizabeth, so good to see you. Head on back to my styling station. Hey, that hoodie really suits you. Thanks, Tristan. I recently updated my wardrobe. I figure I'm a taste bud, right? I'm made up of a bunch of different cells that are stuck together in the shape of a teeny tiny onion. I might as well flaunt it. Yeah. All of your cells are important, but let's not forget your beautiful taste hairs, Elizabeth. They stick up like cute little sprouts growing from your oniony shape. Okay, technically, taste hairs aren't really hair. They're called taste hairs, or gustatory hairs, but they're actually a part of the taste cells that's called microvilli. And, more importantly, Elizabeth, these beautiful hairs are how you sense tastes. These hairs do a lot for you. I feel like a new bud after that shampoo. You haven't even styled me yet. I know. The way to a taste bud's heart is through its hairs. Well, actually, our hairs are the way to the brain. Oh, and speaking of, have I got a great story for you. I want all the deets. So last night, our human was eating an orange. Ooh, juicy. So the teeth were doing their thing, chewing orange slices, and tides of spit were sweeping eensy-weensy microscopic orange pieces my way. Ooh. By the way, are we doing the usual today? Yep. Normal dry and style is great. So anyway, my human keeps chewing, spit keeps flowing. I'm getting all these little taste chemicals in my hair. I had to send the brain a message. I was like, hey brain, 
You'll never believe what taste chemicals I have in my hair right now. Sour bits, a little sweetness, a tad bitter. Oh, so even though you're only one taste bud, you pick up multiple tastes. Yeah, I have a bunch of different taste cells, you know? And each taste cell has a taste hair. And each hair picks up one of five tastes. Salty, sour, sweet, bitter, or umami. Huh. I always thought it was taste buds in different parts of the tongue that handled different tastes. Nope. All of us taste buds sense all the tastes with the hairs on our different cells. Mmm, I see. And then, how did you message the brain? Did you send, like, a text message? Or an email or something? Ha! You know how I live in a little canyon in the tongue? It's too small to see without a microscope. Next to my friends, Budette and Budsy. We're all wired up to nerves that send signals to the brain. So we all send messages along those nerves. So fascinating. Okay, Elizabeth, almost done. Just gotta dry your hair. And there. You're all ready for your next round of food particles. You look great. You are so good at what you do. See you soon. Smooches. Bye. And that, Kaylin and Solomon, is how I get all the inside info. Butchamin! Hi, welcome back. Long time no see. <laughs> Order up. Coming in hot, here's a heaping plate full of... Pretty much every time I listen to the mystery sound, I get it right. Nice. Well, let's see how you do today. We have a multi-part mystery sound for you. We're going to play you three different foods being eaten. So we know that it's a food being eaten, but I want you to guess what each food is. Okay? So here is mystery sound number one. What food was being chomped on there? Chips. Yeah, chips. Okay, pretty quick answer for chips. All right, let's hear mystery sound number two. That was a quiet one. What do you think that was? Definitely something softer, not mm-hmm. as crunchy. Maybe a soft fruit or something. Mm, cheese, excellent. maybe. Cheese. Yeah, maybe cheese. Good guesses. All right, let's hear mystery sound number three. What is your guess? A dog eating dog food. (laughs) (laughs) I like that guess. (laughs) Kaylin, what do you think? I have no clue. Um, Kind of sound like crackers, maybe a little softer than Mm. chips, but not soft, soft either like you're thinking. All right, well, we're going to be back to hear it again to get another chance to guess, and then we'll hear the answers in just a bit. Okay, so we've talked about taste. Now let's move on to smell and answer this question. My name is Charlie, and I'm from Kearney, Nebraska. And my question is, why don't you taste as well when you plug your nose? It's easy to see how smell and flavor are linked. You usually get a nose full of aroma before you bite down on something. Yeah, sometimes the smell is the best part of a meal. So is there a food that you think smells better than it actually tastes? Um, smells better than it tastes? Bananas. Because the texture, it's too stringy and mushy, but it smells like it would be really good. 
Very cool. Well, yeah, it's clear that smell is very important to flavor if you listen to our series on the science of cooking. And you really should check it out if you haven't yet. Yes. You'll remember Molly Birnbaum from that series. She's the editor-in-chief of America's Test Kitchen Kids. Her life revolves around food and cooking, but there was a time when that seemed impossible. So when I graduated from college, I wanted to be a chef. Unfortunately, I was jogging and I was hit by a car. Part of what happened is I fractured the back of my skull on the car windshield. And when that happened, my brain bounced within my skull. And on that bounce, it severed the olfactory neurons, which run from the nose to the brain. There are these tiny, delicate little neurons that sneak through the front of your skull. And it's what gives all of the signals from your nose to your brain. So after this accident, I healed slowly, but I realized soon after that I I couldn't smell a thing. One of the most interesting things about flavor, I think, is that it's not something that happens in your mouth. It's something that happens in your brain. One day, I was at home with my mom in Boston, and I was helping her to cook. And I was chopping fresh rosemary, the herb. All of a sudden, it just hit me, and I could smell this one smell. And scent is really connected to memory, which is also a reason why it is really powerful when it comes to eating and flavor. And so for me, smelling rosemary that time, it was pretty magical. But smell came back once and at a time over the next few years for me. It was mainly good smells at first, but then one day I was living in New York and it was summertime and I could smell something new and I didn't really know what it was. I was out on the sidewalk and I looked around and it was a big pile of trash bags, like rotting in the sun. And it wasn't a great smell, but it was very exciting. I think it took about seven years total. During that time, I did a lot of research and reporting with scientists on exactly what was happening. So I did some training with my nose because scientists said that the best way to learn how to smell again was to practice. You can train your nose pretty simply, actually. You can just spend some time with your spice cabinet, open up all the different spices and smell them one at a time and really close your eyes and think hard about how they smell, which I recommend doing even if you can smell. It's a really interesting thing. We don't spend enough time specifically smelling things. So take a deep breath. What do you smell? Take a sniff of what you're eating and pick out the different scents. How would you describe them? Next time you hug a parent, think about how they smell. Open a book, take a whiff. There are smells everywhere, and most of us don't appreciate how varied and wonderful they are, even the stinky ones. Okay, to demonstrate how important smell is to flavor, we have a little experiment. And you can try this at home, too. All you need is a blindfold and some jelly beans. So, okay, Kaylin and Solomon, yes, put on those blindfolds. 
I cannot see anything. I can't even find my way to the microphone. <laughs> oh, it's right here. Now it's right here. Now I found it. Found it. Great. Kaylin, are you blindfolded? Yeah. All right. So now I want you both to pinch your noses so that you can't smell anything. Remember to breathe through your mouth. Breathing is important. Okay, now we're going to give you a jelly bean. So pinch your nose at the front of your nose so you sound like this. Okay. There okay. you go. Pinch it real good. Okay, and chew it with your nose pinched so tight. And with your nose still pinched so tight, what does it taste like? Coconut. I don't know. I don't really taste coconut. I don't even know what this is. And go from pinched to unpinched with the same jelly bean in your mouth and tell me what you taste. Tastes more like banana now. Oh, um, it's that one where it smells kind of strong, like almost like if you're brushing your teeth and you smell the mint. Mm. But I can't, I can't think of what it's called right now. Mine tastes more like banana now. <laughs> Was it easier to taste the, the specific flavor once you had your nose open? Yeah. Yes. Because then I could smell the aroma of it. Exactly. Yeah, because before you smell the aroma, it's just kind of like generally sweet. Like maybe you'd be like, it's fruity, maybe. But then once you unpinch and you get that aroma, your brain can say, oh, I know what flavor that is. Yeah. Coming up, can music change how something tastes? We're going to do another delicious experiment. If you have any dark chocolate handy, grab it now and hold on to it so you can play along. Keep listening. We're working on a series all about myths, and we want to hear from you. Which mythological creature would you want to hang out with? Maybe you want to soar through the air with a griffin, roast marshmallows with a dragon, or play hide-and-go-seek with Nessie? Whatever your answer, send it to us. Go to brainson.org slash contact. Do you have a question for us? Or a drawing you want to share? Or a mystery sound? Get in touch at brainson.org slash contact. That's how we got this great question. Hi, my name is Lucas. I'm from Evans, Georgia. And I would like to know, what makes spicy food spicy? We'll have the answer at the end of the show. Plus, you'll hear the latest group to join the Brains Honor Roll. So keep listening. You're listening to Brains On. I'm Molly. I'm Kaylin. And I'm Solomon. And today we are getting the full flavor by engaging all our senses. It's time to break out that dark chocolate we mentioned earlier. We're going to talk about how sound effects, flavor, and to help us is Jack Bishop from America's Test Kitchen. Welcome, Jack. Hey, guys. Jack, you're going to be doing an experiment with us today. Can you tell us what the experiment is? Sure. We're going to see how sound impacts our perception of flavor. Believe it or not, what you're listening to can change the way something tastes. Okay, so I understand chocolate is involved, so we have our chocolate ready. So you guys should have two pieces of chocolate, um, and we're going to listen to two different pieces of music. So when we listen to the first piece of music, I want you to put the chocolate in your mouth. Um, let it melt a little bit. You know, sometimes we want to rush ahead and chew it. Let it melt and really taste the chocolate. And think about how sweet it is. Um, and does it taste at all bitter? You know, bitter are the things that, um, you know, in leafy greens or if you drink iced tea ever, those are the things that kind of make our mouth pucker. And chocolate has some of those. So as you're listening to the music, think about how sweet it is and how bitter does that chocolate taste. 
All right, I think we're ready to taste the first sample. So let's listen to the music and then let's taste uh, one piece of the chocolate. Okay. Okay. So tell me, um, what did you taste? Um, did you like the chocolate? Did the chocolate seem sweet to you? Did it seem at all bitter to you? It seemed really bitter to me because, like, I don't really like chocolate that much. You don't like chocolate? Not really. I also don't really like dark chocolate specifically, but... Um it tasted better than what it usually did. Cool. So you tasted a little bit better than you usually think dark chocolate tastes. Yeah. Are you guys ready to have another taste of chocolate and listen to a different piece of music this time? Yes. All right. Let's play the music and taste some more chocolate. So that was a very different sound, very different kind of music. What did you think about the chocolate? How did it taste this time? It actually tasted sweet. Definitely yeah. a lot sweeter than the first time. Yeah. It was really weird. Yeah. I guess I guess sound does change the way stuff tastes. It does. Um, so, so you guys thought that the, when we listened to that last piece of music that the chocolate was sweeter and it was less bitter? Yeah. Yeah. So most people who do this tasting, they think that when the first music, which was, I don't know, how would you guys describe that first piece of music? Yeah, definitely happier. Kind of reminded me of wind chimes. Yeah, and so usually the first piece of music, when most people do it, they think the chocolate tastes sweeter. Um, and that when they listen to the second piece of music, which has a lot of like heavy instruments, and I think of it as lots of low sounds, they think that the chocolate tastes less sweet. Now, you guys, you seem to have a different impression, although you definitely agreed that the music made you think about the chocolate differently. And I think that's the big point here is that, you know, if you're in a noisy restaurant, for instance, food tastes different than if you're at home and it's really quiet. And that science, this is real science, that you change the way things taste depending on what's going on around you. So the way that they play music in the restaurants, do you think they choose it based off of what type of food they're serving? Or is it more just a random choice? Um, no, I think there's actually kind of an art to making a successful restaurant soundtrack. And um, one of the things that they found is that when it's really noisy, that... Um, all of those salty or umami, it's what scientists use to describe sort of savory things, we perceive those much stronger in noisy environments. It's weird that it's more about your brain than about your mouth. Well, you know, the, the brain is, translates everything. 
to us. I mean, yes, that they're, they're these receptors in our mouth or in our nose, but without the brain translating all of those little signals that are coming from your mouth to your nose, you wouldn't really know what it was. And, um, and that's why um, there's so many other things involved with flavor. You know, you get, uh, when you, if you make something that, you know, you love, that you've had a lot, like something that, you know, a grandparent or a parent makes that you love and you walk in the house and you smell it, like suddenly you're happy. And that's all happening in your brain because you haven't eaten anything. Um, but I don't know, when I was a kid, when my mom was making chocolate chip cookies, when I came home from school, I was always in a much better mood immediately before I started eating things because all of that happiness was happening in my brain. That is so cool. Thank you so much, Jack, for making time to talk to us today and do this cool experiment with us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Jack. Bye, everybody. All right, so you guys ready to hear those mystery chews again? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, here's mystery chew number one. Yeah, last time you guys were very certain that was a chip. Are you sticking with chip? Yep. You are 100% correct. Yes. That was a chip. We well got it right. Done. <laughs> Let's hear mystery sound number two. Yeah, sorry to people who find that a gross noise. I apologize. Um, what do you think that was being chewed? Still cheese. Yeah, I still cheese. think that's cheese. Well, you were very close. It is a dairy product, but it is yogurt. But it was very soft, so you're totally right that it's something softer and gloopier than a chip. Mm. One more chance. Chew number three. Still think that's a dog chewing dog food. I don't think it's a cracker. (laughs) Fine, a cracker. Fine. (laughs) You can stick with your idea. Fine. Yeah, you can you can stick with it. It's fine. Fine. Cracker. Okay, well, we're going to cracker now. Well, the answer is it's definitely something not as crispy as a chip, but that was a pickle. Pickles make crunching noises like that? Yes. Yeah. yeah pickles you know, are they're... cucumbers. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good it's point. It's a pickled cucumber. So they're like not as crispy as they are when they're cucumbers. So they're like a little softer and mushier, which is kind of why that sound was a little bit not quite as crisp sounding as a potato chip. Makes sense. So now that you know what all those different foods were, you know, texture really affects how we taste something. Like a good crunch in a fruit or vegetable means that it's ripe and not mealy or soggy. So for us, a lot of us really like crispy and crunchy foods because that tells us they're fresh. But for something like pudding, part of the fun is how mushy and soft it is. Crunchy pudding wouldn't be pudding at all. Most people really like crunchy foods and they don't really want like all crunchy or all gooey. It's really the combination of crispy and chewy, like a really good homemade mac and cheese that you bake in the oven with some crispy stuff on top. That's really good. Okay, so we just talked about touch. We covered sound and smell and taste, and that leaves... Sight! Precisely. The look of a meal is really important and can make a big difference to the flavor of a meal. Yeah, I don't think I'd like mac and cheese quite as much if it were teal. And purple peanut butter would just be weird. Chefs and other foodies think a lot about how food looks, too, like Charles Michel, a chef and food scientist. In 2014, he led an experiment at Oxford University about plating. Plating is the word for the art of how you put food on a plate. 
we know that we eat with our eyes first, but in particular, we wanted to understand how the artistic arrangement of food ingredients on a plate can make us like more or less a certain plate of food. So the people who took part in the experiment were given one dish to eat, and it was either presented in a way that was just a simple salad, all the ingredients mixed up in the center of the plate, as we would eat a normal salad. All right, a perfectly normal salad. Just like I make them at home. Or they were given a salad where all the different elements, the sauces, the vinaigrette, all the different vegetables were placed side by side. Okay, a little odd. But very organized. Or they were given um, the salad presented in a very beautiful, artistically arranged way that was inspired by the famous Russian-French painter Kandinsky. This third salad was plated to look like a beautiful abstract painting. The brightly colored sauces looked like big, bold brushstrokes, and the vegetables were arranged like an artsy collage. Ooh. Gorgeous. Beautiful. A feast for the eyes. Mm. We wanted to see how that affected how much they enjoyed the food. We asked them questions before they tasted the food, and then we asked them similar questions after they had eaten the food. So the group of people that were given the salad that looked like a Kandinsky painting found the flavor of the food to be much tastier. Beautiful and delicious. My compliments to the chef. And what was interesting is that people were also willing to pay much more for the salad. So the same salad, same ingredients, and we have better flavor and something that is much more valuable. People were willing to pay twice as much for the salad that was more beautiful. The art and science of plating can really help us design foods that are approached in a much more mindful way. It can make us choose the healthier options. It can help us um, eat less and eat more mindfully. The way things are presented on a plate really change how we relate to the food. Hey, Molly. Hey, Solomon and Kaylin. We sorted it all out. Sorted what out? Oh, you know, just an invention exploded and accidentally mixed up all the flavors in our laboratory slash kitchen. Pretty normal stuff around here. Yeah, this all sounds very on brand for you all. Well, we did it. We got all the flavors back where they're supposed to be. Here, have a sip of your water. Um... We promise. It's not at all spicy. Okay, yeah, that is just normal water. Whew, good job. Thanks, Molly. Here, Solomon, try this milk that doesn't taste anything like beef bouillon. Mmm, yep, normal milk. And Kaylin, try this totally not sardini bread. Yeah, that's good, normal bread. And Molly, taste the sponge. No hint of chocolate cake at all. It's just normal dish sponge. See? Yeah, I'm good. Flavor is so much more than taste. It involves all the senses. Like taste, which starts when food particles hit little tiny hair-like parts of our taste buds. And smell, which really paints a full picture of what you're eating. Sound can affect flavor too, and so can texture. And even sight plays a big role in making food taste even more delicious. That's it for this episode of Brains On. 
Brains On is produced by Manika Wilhelm, Sandon Totten, Mark Sanchez, and me, Molly Bloom. We had production help from Elissa Dudley, Christina Lopez, and Mary Harvin, and engineering help from Corey Streppel and Eric Romani. Special thanks to Quincy Surismith. Now, before we go, it's our moment of... Um... What makes spicy food spicy? Why does it feel weird in your mouth? When we sense spiciness in our mouth, it's not actually our taste buds. It is the nerves that are reaching our tongue that then send direct signals back to our brain. Hi, my name is Arthur Zimmerman, and I study uh, smell and taste. So whenever we bite into something that we think is spicy, there's actually these sensors on nerves that will interact with the food in our mouth. And these receptors are similar to what you would have on your skin to detect different hotness. They're essentially temperature receptors. And so these receptors are on these nerves. And so it's actually the nerve itself that's picking up the heat sensation or, you know, cool sensation. If you have things such as menthol, which is in gum, when you chew gum, it feels cool. Um, And so it activates a different set of these receptors. So when you bite into food and you have all these food particles floating around in your mouth, specific particles interact with specific receptors. So if you can think about a basketball going into a hoop, it's got to be something that kind of fits that receptor. And then it just so happens that these heat receptors bind to these, um, you know, different molecules within chili peppers and horseradish that cause us to sense heat. This heat that we feel from biting into these really hot peppers for somebody who's never experienced this before it's going to feel super hot but for somebody who eats it all the time it's not that the response is any different it's still going to activate these receptors but your brain kind of tones down your perception of it because you get used to it over time um um um. reading these names is always a treat it's the brains honor roll these are the kids who fuel our show with their delicious questions ideas mystery sounds and drawings Sophia from California, Oliver from Tucson, Arizona, Cadence from Las Vegas, Kira from Hemet, California, Elliot from Sacramento, Nia from Brampton, Ontario, Ella from Hawaii, Nikhil and Kai from Saratoga, California, Grayson from San Diego, Michael from Los Altos, Gabrielle from Newark, New Jersey, McKenna from Flagstaff, Arizona, Oscar and Ingrid from Washington, D.C., Micah from Menaki, Ontario, Ava from Boyds, Maryland, Mia and Ian from Calabasas, California, Amaya and Luca from Austin, Texas, Laura from Vienna, Virginia, Noah from Alabama, Ainsley from Chicago, Bastion from Allentown, Pennsylvania, Annabelle Chip and Levi from Virginia Beach, Virginia, Hunter from San Jose, California, Uzziah and Shia from Kingston, Jamaica, Gracie and Johnny from San Jose, California, Lauren and Jasmine from Fayette, Missouri, Oz from Westminster, Colorado, David, James and Peter from Houston, Lane from Kansas City, Missouri, Izzy from Wayne, Pennsylvania, Quinn from Miami, Jasper and Oliver from Cloquet, Minnesota, Esther from the UK, Rainia from McLean, Virginia, Amandine from Yellow Springs, Ohio, Sydney from Bristol, Connecticut, Lucy and Violet from Traverse City, Michigan, Duncan from Knoxville, Tennessee, Angie from Apex, North Carolina, Aton from Sunnyville, California, Ferris and Karma from Amman, Jordan, Haley from Ashton, Maryland, Calvin from Seattle, Henry from Newcastle, Australia, Campbell from Redondo Beach, California, Tiffany from Brisbane, Australia, Andrew from Golden, Colorado, Zoe from Kittery, Lucas from Omaha, Jacob from Corbell, Ontario, Oliver from Ogden, Utah, Cambry and James from Warner Robins, Georgia, Jolie Jr. from Midlothian, Texas, Arthur and Bethany from Hong Kong, Daniel from Manchester, Connecticut, Braxton from Norton, Ohio, Kalima from Stone Mountain, Georgia, Bricken from Franklin, Tennessee, Macy Jane from Columbia, South Carolina, Betty Jean from Eureka, Montana, and Logan and Henry from Altadena, California.
We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening. <laughs>